ಓಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೋರಮರ್ದನಂ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದಂ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು we are in the 8th chapter and the last time we did the um 10th verse i think we were on the 11th verse if i remember correctly prayana kale manasa chalena bhaktya yukto yoga valena chaiva dhuvor madhye pranam aveshya samyak satam param purusham upaiti divyam at the time of death physical death of the body what does this devotee do this person concentrates the mind on god that means concentrates means unwavering mind manasa achalena means unflickering concentrated on god not on the illness not on other people not on the bank balance being left behind or whatever not on medical insurance fixed unflickering mind on god how bhaktiya one by devotion so all emotion is has been throughout a lifetime cultivated and channeled to god see all the desire that we have which flows in a thousand streams to the world i want this 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 i want the world that world has been swept away and in there it is god so this is bhaktiya by devotion all my emotions flowing to god how else yoga balena chaiva by the power of yoga by the power of meditation so a cultivated regular power of meditation regular meditation or lifetime so the mind gets fixed on god is a master of controlling the prana bhuvor madhye pranam aveshya samyak so the prana life forces are concentrated there is an intense focus at the heart center then the prana is taken up through what is called the sushumna nadi to the um, the agnya chakra in between the eyebrows and from there at the time of death it will exit at the top of the head there is the sahasrara chakra called the brahmarandra so it and the person living this where does this person go at the death of the body satam param purusham upaiti divyam attains the transcendent consciousness which we call god or whatever so what is going on here to quickly recapitulate in advaita vedanta there are these two paths to liberation liberation from what liberation from samsara liberation from suffering attainment of fulfillment liberation from the cycle of birth and death now these two paths are one is sadyo mukti instant liberation right here in this life how does that happen you realize you are uh, liberated that you are brahman you are infinite existence consciousness bliss not this little body mind you realize that how do you realize that through jnana the path through knowledge which knowledge knowledge that i am brahman that should become not just something we read it should become absolutely living reality clarity from that perspective there is no more bondage you never were born let alone the cycle of birth and death you are born uh, you are liberated you are brahman so you know this um um somebody said so or which version it doesn't matter i'm li- reading from this but whichever version you have got if you got the original verses and uh, an adequate translation that will do multiple translations are available 
So I'm reading in chapter 8, verse number 10. Chapter 8, verse 10. This, this version I'm reading from just using this, but I keep using different versions. This is a small Bhagavad Gita, just the original verses with an English translation, um, translated by Swami Vireshwaranandaji, who was the 10th president of the Ramakrishna Mat and Mission. It's published from the Ramakrishna Mat, Chennai, that is Madras. But then uh, it's all right. I mean, you can use any other version. I use multiple versions. So this is one path of liberation. I realize I'm Brahman and I'm free. Not even multiple uh, births and deaths, not even one birth. I, I realized that samsara was an appearance. Whole idea of bondage was an appearance. The truth is that I always was, am, and will be Brahman. This is called Sadhyomukti, direct liberation. Um, I get what I always had. And what is the purpose of this liberation? To get what you already had, that you were Brahman, that you just realized that. Uh, to remove what was never there. This is samsara, which was ultimately not there. Ultimately, only Brahman was there. But that delusion is removed, that there is a, a terrible thing called samsara that is, that is removed. This is sadhya mukti, direct mukti. What happens after this? One remains, the body will remain. This appearance of this life and body will continue for a while. And this is uh, called jivan mukti, liberated while living. That's one. The other kind of liberation that is talked about is more conventional, more in the religious sense. Um, that by a lifetime of devotion to God, even if one does not get enlightenment in this life, after death, one will not be reborn again. One will not come into the wheel of sams samsara again. And yet one retains one's individuality. One does not, has not yet realized that I am the absolute reality and I am not this little personality. No, one continues to be the little personality. But now it's a purified personality. It is a devoted personality, entirely surrendered to the will of God, what we might call a saint. And this saintly person goes to, um, to Brahmaloka, variously defined in different religions. Uh, in Vaishnavas, we'll call it Vaikuntha. The Shaiva, Shaivites will call it uh, Kailasa, um, Devi Loka or the Christian heaven, or the Muslim heaven, the, the highest realm where you live in the presence of God. And that's also a kind of liberation. Though Advaita Vedanta will not consider it complete, but it's a kind of liberation because you are beyond suffering. You are safe and you will not come back into samsara anymore. But there's still separation, there's still spiritual progress to be made and one becomes enlightened there. So that is called Krama Mukti. Krama Mukti means sequential liberation. Sadhya Mukti, Krama Mukti. Instant liberation here and now, Krama Mukti, sequential liberation, more conventional, what you find, religious language, God, salvation, heaven, and all of that. And Vedanta agrees, Advaita Vedanta agrees, that's also there. That's still within Maya, but what might be called the Maya of knowledge, Vidya Maya, a spiritual Maya. Mm. So now, here in this chapter, the second one is being talked about. The first one was already talked about, in the first six chapters, but now the second one is being talked about, sequential liberation. And there, bhakti is important, yogic practice, regular meditation is important, bhakti is important. Of course, a moral life is important. Basic moral life, then devotion and surrender to God, and regular meditation, yoga bala, plus devotion, plus, of course, the initial preparation of moral, ethical life. This person, whom we might call a genuinely religious person, genuinely spiritual person, Yet, 
from an Advaitic sense, may not be enlightened. This person attains to this kind of liberation, sequential liberation. Fine. Now, before I go any further, uh, I mentioned something earlier that this person will, you know, at the end of life will be absorbed in God and uh, the subtle body will leave the physical body um, through the, there's an aperture at the head, the crown of the head called the Brahmarandra and it passes through the, uh, the heart center, then the Vishuddha chakra here in the throat center and then the, um, the chakra at, at the eyebrows, the Agya chakra and then through the Sahasrara. So clearly there is a change in movement which Advaita Vedanta immediately will question. Any change in movement means that you're still not perfect. But anyway, and this person will go to Brahma Loka. There is a clear one experience will be replaced by another experience. Of course, a much, much more extraordinary, wonderful, sublime, blessed experience. Now, the point is that these visions of God, this absorption in God, uh, extraordinary, either extraordinary devotion, devotional moods at the end of life, or deep meditation at the meditative end of life, it is not necessary just these persons will have those experiences. A fully realized person, person who is a Brahmagyani, fully realized, Sadhya Mukti, already attained Brahmagyana, may uh, have certain experiences like this, already knows I am Brahman. But see, the mind of such a person is always absorbed in God. Maybe in a devoted way, devotional way, or in a uh, yogic way, maybe the person has cultivated meditation all life long and is fully enlightened. So such a person who is fully enlightened at the time of the death of the particular that body may still have some such experiences which are being mentioned here. If the person has such experiences, does not mean, oh, he's on a path of sequential liberation, so person is not yet fully enlightened. No, person may be fully enlightened and yet have these experiences. So just to uh, give up instead of just talking in theoretical terms, let's just see uh, two glorious examples. One passing just like this in, in full med meditative awareness, that is Swami Vivekananda. The other one passing just like this in full devotional awareness, is Swami Brahmananda. So we'll read their, their passing, the last few, uh, last day, last few hours, and exactly what happened when they passed, when they left this body. I am reading from Swami Chetanandaji's magnificent book, God Lived With Them. So this is the life stories of the 16 monks, the first generation of monks, the direct disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, Vivekananda and others. So the passing of Swami Vivekananda first. And you know that is the date which is pretty close, 4th of July. And he selected it. He asked towards the end of his life, he asked uh, one of his disciples, look for an auspicious date. You know, in the Hindu almanac is there, auspicious days. As he kept on looking, when he came to the date corresponding to the English 4th of July, Swami Vivekananda said, stop, that's it. And of course, he didn't explain why. But then later they realized he, he had selected a date. So the passing of Swami Vivekananda. On his last day, 4th July 1902. Now, before this, Swami Vivekananda, of course, was ill. 
his health was failing. He was only 39. He used to say, I won't live to see 40. When he passed, he was only 39 years old. Um, and the government of India has uh, declared that uh, his birthday, the 12th of January, as a National Youth Day. He always stands as an icon of youth, you know, in 39 years he passed. Um, a couple of days before this, Sister Nivedita had visited Belurmat, the monastery where Swami Vivekananda was staying, the room. You can still go there, the room where he passed in meditation. And it still has, has a very powerful, a very thick spiritual atmosphere. You can feel it palpably there. It just radiates from that room. Um, so Sister Nivedita had visited his disciple. She had visited the monastery two days before, 2nd June. And uh, so he behaved very affectionately with her and gave her lunch and then chatted with her. At the end of the meal, he poured water over her hands too so that she would wipe her hands and, and uh, dried her hands with a towel. Nivedita was, uh, Nivedita was embarrassed. She said, it is I who should do these things for you, Swamiji, not you for me. But his, his answer was solemn. Swami Vivekananda said, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And then Sister Nivedita says that something within me was about to say the answer that that was the last time, the last day when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. But I couldn't um, say those words. And she got on a boat and she left. And she remembers that that day Vivekananda stood on the bank of the river and watched until the boat disappeared over the horizon, you know, as if you know, later she realized, bidding farewell. On his last day, July 4th, 1902, Vivekananda got up very early in the morning, as usual, he would go get up before sunrise, went to the shrine for meditation. He was not sick at all. During breakfast, he was in a jovial mood, teasing Premananda, recalling many events of old times. He had fruit, milk, and tea. Um, in 8 a.m., he again entered the shrine for meditation. When at 9.30 a.m., Premananda entered the shrine to perform the daily worship, Swami Vivekananda asked him to carry his meditation mat to the master's bedroom. So he went, Swami Vivekananda went into that room and shut all doors and windows. Swamiji dusted the master, Sri Ramakrishna's bed, with his own hand and again sat for meditation. Never before had he performed such meditation in the monastery. What transpired there, no one knows. He finished his meditation at 11 a.m. That's been several hours then. And he began to sing a song about Kali. And he sang for a long time. So, um, is Kali, my mother, really black? The naked one, though black she seems, lights the lotus of the heart. It's a very well-known Kali Kirtan, very mystical song. Now she is white, now red, now blue. Now she appears as yellow too. I hardly know who mother is, though I have pondered all my life. Now Purusha, now Prakriti, now the void she seems to be. Very beautiful. Purusha is pure consciousness. Prakriti is nature, material nature, the universe. And then she says, he says, sometimes consciousness, sometimes this entire material nature, sometimes just emptiness. To meditate on all these things confounds poor Kamalakanta's wits. This is a song by the poet Saint Kamalakanta. 
After singing this song, he descended the stairs of the shrine. He walked back and forth in the courtyard of the monastery. He appeared withdrawn, as if traveling to a distant land. Suddenly he said, if there were another Vivekananda, then he would have understood what this Vivekananda has done. And yet, how many Vivekanandas shall be born in time? His statement was overheard by Premananda. Um, I'm skipping ahead. Um, so he discussed the Sushumna, the one, the nerve current in which the prana flows through this body at the time of the death of the yogi. So he discussed this with his disciples. That was also quite indicative. This suggests that he was thinking about at this time. He was planning to give up his body like a true yogi, passing through the six centers of the Sushumna and merging the Paramatman in the Sahasrara, the crown of the head. At noon, he heartily enjoyed his lunch with the monks in the dining room. Because of his illness, he usually took meals in his room. Um, after 15, he went to his room to rest for a while. After 15 minutes, he came out of his room and told Premananda, let us go and study. Day sleep is not good for a monk. Today, I did not get any sleep. I got a little headache because of a long meditation. Then he went to the library and called the brahmacharins, the novices, to attend a class on Sanskrit grammar. One who attended the class wrote, the class lasted for nearly three hours, 1 to 4 p.m., but no monotony was felt. For he, Swamiji, would tell a witty story and then to lighten his teaching as, uh, to lighten his teaching, as was his practice. Sometimes the joke would be with reference to the wording of a certain aphorism, or he would make an amusing play upon its words, knowing that the fun would make it easier for recollection. And then Swamiji wanted each disciple to be original and not to follow him blindly. Warning against false prophets who might come in the future, he said to the boys, if any man ever imitates me, kick him out. Do not imitate me. He went for a walk with Premananda to Belur Bazar. And then uh, he walked back to the monastery. Uh, he had uh, actually pointed out a place to Premanandaji a few days earlier in the monastery that when I pass, cremate my body here. He was only 39 years old. He was ill, that's true. But nobody expected that he would leave the body so fast. So Premanji did not take, too take that too seriously. But that's where he was eventually, he was cremated there. That's, that's the spot where the temple stands. At 6.30 p.m., Oh, before this, uh, Swami Premananda talked. Swami Swamiji talked to Premananda and other monks about the history of European civilization and also colonial history. India is immortal, he said, if she persists in her search for God. But if she goes for in for politics and social conflict, she will die. He also talked to Ramakrishnananda's father for some time. At six thirty p.m., when he found that some monks were taking tea, he went to them and said. Will you give me a cup of tea? He enjoyed the tea with them. When the Vesper bell was rung at 7 p.m., around this time, he got up and went to his room. 
Bodhananda, who was Swamiji's secretary uh, and who kept some cash, he said, I was standing by the stairway down on the ground floor. It was month of July. Mosquitoes are so numerous and so dangerous. If you get malaria from them and no one can sleep in bed without the curtains. So Swami Vivekananda had discovered that the mosquito curtains of some monks were torn. And his command, last command to me was, see that they get, all get mosqu new mosquito curtains. Even in his last moments, Vivekananda showed his great love and concern for the monks. By the way, Swami Bodhananda later came to America and he was the head of this center where I am now. And he actually lived in this room and he passed in this room where I'm sitting now. Uh, he was Swami Vivekananda's secretary. Uh, so this was Swami Bodhananda. Swamiji said to his attendant, Brahmachari Brajendra, my body is very light today. I feel fine. Please give me my rosary to do japa, to repeat the mantra. He sat facing the Ganga. So you can see the river in front from his room. It's beautifully placed just over the river. Before he began his meditation, he asked Brajendra to go to the other room and instructed him, wait and meditate till I call you. After an hour at 8 p.m., the Swami called Brajendra and asked him to fan his head. Swamiji told him to open all the windows of his room because he was feeling hot. Then he laid himself down on, the, on his bed. There's a lower bed on the floor. He still has, had the rosary in his hand. After a while, he said to him, All right, no more need for fanning. It would be better if you give a little massage to my feet. Soon he seemed to fall asleep. And one hour passed in this manner. Vivekananda was lying on his left side and the Brahmacharin was massaging his feet. He then moved and lay, lay on his back. Short, shortly after that, he cried out like a baby cries for its mother. Towards the end, Swami Vivek, uh, Brajendra noticed that Swamiji's right hand trembled a little. There was perspiration on his forehead and he breathed a deep breath and his head rolled down by the pillow. There was silence for a minute or two. Again, he breathed in the same manner. His body became still. It was 9.10 p.m. Rajendra thought that the Swami was in Samadhi, but he was scared and puzzled. He rushed downstairs and told Swami Advaitananda about Swamiji. Immediately, the old Swami went to Swami Vivekananda's room, placed his hand on his heart and checked the pulse. There was no breathing. Then Advaitananda asked Bodhananda, who had just arrived, and was cooking Swamiji's meal to check the pulse. After doing this for a while, he stood up and cried aloud. Advaitananda then told Nirbhayananda, Alas, what are you looking at? Hurry to Dr. Mahendranath Majumdar at Baranagar and bring him as soon as you can. Within a couple of minutes, Premananda arrived and found Swamiji motionless. He, Nishchayananda, Ramakrishnananda's father, began to chant Ramakrishna loudly into Swamiji's ears, hoping he would return from Samadhi. Swamiji's eyes were fixed at the center of his eyebrows. That is here. And his face had assumed a divine expression with a sweet smile. The monks crossed the Ganga at night and went to the uh, to doctor at Baranagar. Another monk went to Calcutta to inform Swami Brahmananda, Swami Saradananda. Both arrived late in the night at 10.30 p.m. The doctor arrived. The doctor found there was no sign of life. He still tried artificial respiration. There was a little blood in his nostrils, about his mouth and in his eyes. According to the yoga scriptures, which we will see just now. According to yoga scriptures, the life breath of an illumined yogi passes out through the opening on the top of his head, 
causing the blood to flow in the nostrils and the mouth. Swami Vivekananda passed away uh, at the age of 39 years, 5 months and 24 days, thus fulfilling his own prophecy, I shall never live to see, I shall never see 40. He had said, I am a voice without a form. Towards the end, he said, it may be that I shall find it good to get outside of my body, to cast it off like a disused garment, but I shall not cease to work. I shall inspire men everywhere until the world shall know that it is one with God. So that's how Swami Vivekananda passed. But it is notable that he passed in deep meditation. And uh, the discussion about the sushumna and the accumulation of blood in the nostrils and the, in the eyes, we'll see uh, what Krishna says about passing in this way. So that's one. Um, a little humorous side to this. Once I told this story to a visitor in our ashram in Deokar, he was a very senior police officer. Uh, and so he was listening very carefully. He was quite inspired by all this. But the moment I came to the little accumulation of blood at the nostril and in the eyes, uh, immediately he perked up and he said, oh, was a proper autopsy performed? He thought, it, who knows, it might be murder or something like that, you know. So the police officer, you know, so he immediately starts suspecting foul play. Um, let me read the relevant verses here from the Gita. Then we'll go to Swami Brahmananda. 11th verse. Yadaksharam Veda Vido Vadanti Vishanti Yad Yatayo Vita Raga Yadichanto Brahmacharyam Charanti Tatte Padam Sangrahena Pravakshe. So that imperishable principle which the knowers of the Vedas describe, into which the aspirants bereft of all desires enter, desiring which one lives the abstinent life of a student, that goal I shall tell you in brief. This is basically a paraphrase of a uh, Upanishadic mantra. So Krishna is saying, Yad Aksharam. What is the goal here? To attain to an eternal reality. Brahman, Atman, whatever you call it. Who talks about it? Veda Vidovadanti. The knowers of the Vedas, knowers of the Upanishads, they talk about it. Um, and Shankaracharya says they talk about it in two ways. As the God of religion, Brahman with all the attributes, the Lord which controls this universe. Or beyond that, the same Lord is also the Nirguna Brahman, the absolute reality is existence consciousness, please, which is our own reality. In, in both of these ways, the knowers of the Vedas speak about it. For which the monks, um, monks here means a monk formerly like Swami Vivekananda, or it could be someone who is monastic in the quest for spiritual realization, as many are. Vitaraga, who have transcended worldly uh, you know, desires. Raga means pulls towards the world. This whole idea, this craving that the things of the world, people of the world, things of the world, activities in the world will fulfill me. They will not fulfill me. They can continue, but it will not fulfill me. God-realization will fulfill me. Yadichanto brahmacharyam charanti. Desiring which realization people go to a guru and become a brahmachari. Literally, it means brahmachari means a celibate life. But Shankaracharya says the whole thing about being a disciple of a guru and in order to become enlightened. 
Tatte padam sangrahena pravakshya. That realization, that ultimate state, I'm going to talk, up, talk to you in brief. Now, the next few verses almost sort of exactly describe what we just read. Sarvadvarani sangyamya mano ridini rudhyacha mudhanyadhayatmana pranam astito yogadharanam. What does this mean? Concentrating all the organs, controlling all the organs, confining, concentrating the mind to the heart, Fixing the life breath in the head. That means pushing it in through the sushumna, uh, the spiritual current from the heart to the throat, to the, um, the chakra in the head, to the top of the head. Absorbed in yogic meditation, repeating the monosyllable Om, repeating Om, which is Brahman, and thinking of me, he who departs leaving the body, attains the highest goal. So this departure of the, um, of the prana through the sushumna, the top of the head, that is only these uh, yogis who attain, um, they say, the, the sequential liberation, krama mukti, their departure is of this form. Now, why Vivekananda would do this? He's already liberated. So he is fully liberated. So this is the, maybe the, his choice he passed in this way, not because he was not liberated, not because on the path of sequential liberation, or it just might be like he himself said, and so I'm, Sri Ramakrishna also uh, mentioned about him, that he chooses to retain his individual identity. He passes and still remains as Vivekananda, as a fully liberated being, not with a physical body anymore, but still available uh, for helping and guiding and inspiring the world. And there are actually, I know of people who have actually seen him, have, have had visions of him. So this is maybe a way it demonstrates a fully liberated person might still choose to do this in order to retain some kind of individuality. Again, this is, you say, how do you know this? I don't. I'm just putting two and two together. Which is remarkable. Vivekananda's passing and the similarity between this text and other such texts which describe uh, this kind of passing. Then um, another one we will read, that is Swami Brahmananda. Very different and yet very similar. Here Vivekananda, in deep yogic meditation, he passes. Brahmananda, you will see, in the ecstasy of devotion, he passes. So we will read that now. So, in our order, the first generation of monks, Vivekananda obviously was the chief. He was the uh, crown jewel of them all. But next to Vivekananda, it was Swami Brahmananda. And Sri Ramakrishna actually considered Swami Brahmananda his spiritual son. And Vivekananda uh, said that Swami Brahmananda was a dynamo of spirituality. The end, Swami Brahmananda's life. This comes in 1922. Um, before Swami Brahmananda came to Sri Ramakrishna, 
long ago when Swami Brahmananda was just a young boy. Sri Ramakrishna had a vision, two visions actually. One vision was that uh, the mother, divine mother appears before him and puts a baby on his lap saying that this is your son. And Sri Ramakrishna says, how can I have a son? Because I do not have, um, you know, I, I don't live a conventional married life. And then the mother says to him that he's going to be your spiritual son. He will come to you. The day, just before uh, Brahmananda came to Sri Ramakrishna, that day he had a vision on the Ganga. He had a vision of uh, a lotus blooming. And he saw the child Krishna playing with another child. Um, so like a, one of the boys, the shepherd boys of Vrindavan. Little later, Brahmananda, whose name was Rakhal at that time, Rakhal comes. Rakhal, by the way, means a shepherd boy of Vrindavan. <laughs> so Rakhal comes to um, Sri Ramakrishna with uh, his relatives. And Sri Ramakrishna immediately, he recognizes this boy looks exactly like that little child I saw on the lotus in my mystic vision. And he asks, what's your name? And the boy says, Rakhal. <laughs> Rakhal means shepherd boy of Vrindavan, the playmate of Krishna. Now, this is what Sri Ramakrishna knew about uh, Rakhal, about Brahmananda. He said that in his earlier life, he was a friend, a child who played with Krishna in Vrindavan in so many thousands of years ago. He, so he's one of the select group of uh, spiritual personalities who comes with God every time God comes as an incarnation. So he has come with God earlier at Krishna, meaning thereby Sri Ramakrishna himself is an incarnation and Rakhal has come again. But he also warned that if Rakhal ever knows who he is, Brahmananda ever knows who he is, he will not live long. He will give up the body. So this is the background. Now, long fast forward end of Swami Brahmananda's life, 1922. Sri Ramakrishna had long ago passed in 1886. Swami Vivekananda had passed in 1902. Swami Brahmananda was the president of the order. Sri Ramakrishna had made a prediction about Brahmananda to his close disciples. When Rakhal knows his real nature, his body will not last anymore. The master never told Rakhal about this vision and he forbade his disciples as well. Now Swami Saradanandaji was writing a biography of Sri Ramakrishna, the very well-known Sri Ramakrishna, the great master, which uh, recently Swami Chaitananandaji has made another new lucid translation. Uh, Sri, uh, Sri, uh, Sri Ramakrishna, the great master. Now, when this was being written and published, Swami Premananda went to visit him in Udbodhan. Swami Saradananda read to Premananda from this manuscript about the master's vision about Swami Brahmananda. And by the way, Swami Brahmananda was known among all the monks as Maharaj, simply as Maharaj. Maharaj means Swami Brahmananda. All the monks are known as Maharaj, but specifically if you say Maharaj, it means Brahmananda. All the monks are known as Swami, but if specifically, specifically if you say Swamiji, it means Vivekananda in our order. Swami Premananda said, what have you done? Maharaj is still living. Don't you remember what the master said? When Rakhal knows his real nature, his body will not last anymore. Uh, immediately, Saradananda removed that part from his manuscript and called back the proof from the press and destroyed it immediately. Of course, it was published later, but uh, at that time, this is what happened. One night, Maharaj was living in Balaram Babu's house. He suddenly had a vision of Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna appeared before Maharaj and disappeared without saying anything. Brahmananda sat on his bed and tried to understand the meaning of that vision. He then said to his attendant, 
Suddenly my sleep broke and I saw the master standing near my bed. He didn't say a single word. I couldn't figure out the cause of his sudden appearance and disappearance. Pausing a little, he gravely said, I have no more desire. I have no desire in my mind. I don't even have the desire to chant his name, only to surrender and surrender. So once Ramlal, Sri Ramakrishna's nephew, came to Dakshineshwar to see uh, Swami Brahmananda. And uh, Swami Brahmananda loved Ramak- uh, Ramlal, who was Ramakrishna's nephew. He was a very good singer. So he asked, they all asked Ramlal to sing. The monks even asked him. So Ramnal was decorated like a gopi. You know, you, clothes of uh, females as worn in Vrindavan. And he sang a song, a classical song. Um, so he clapped and gestured like a gopi and uh, sang this song. Agbar Broje Chalo, Broje Shor Dinek Duer Moto. O Lord of Braja, this is Krishna. Let us go to Raja for a few days. If you like that place, stay there. Place, stay there or return quickly. Previously you were a cowherd, now you have become a king. And so on. Now this song is stunned Brahmananda. Now those of you who know the, the story of Krishna, that he was the cowherd boy in Vrindavan and he played with the gopis and the boys and girls there. Then he went on to become the king, you know, went to Mathura and then he became, the, he became a king. And so the, the song is, the cowherds of Vrindavan, they have gone to Krishna and says, why don't you come back with us for a few days to Vrindavan, to Vraja and stay there. If you like it, you can stay. If you don't like it, you can come back to your kingdom. After all, you were a cowherd like us a coward boy like us, playing in the dust of Rindavan there. Now you are a king. Now what goes on like this is, that the word is, you were a Rakhal earlier. Now you have become a Raja, king. In our order, Swami Brahmananda is known as Raja Maharaj, king. Because Sri Ramakrishna had said, Rakhal has Rajbuddhi. He has, the, he has the intellect, the intelligence of a king. He can rule a kingdom. And that's why Swami Vivekananda made him the president of the order. And all the monks used to call him Raja. And I've seen, I myself seen, Swami Brahmananda's disciple, um, Swami Nirvanananda, used to call, uh, I mean, uh, Brahmananda's attendant, Swami Nirvanananda, who became the vice president of the order later on, who was very close to Swami Brahmananda. But the way he would address Swami Brahmananda was interesting. All the other monks, including us, we call him Maharaj, Raja Maharaj. But his close attendant would call him Rakhal Raja the king of the shepherd boys of Vrindavan. Now, everybody called him Raja. Raja means the king. The line of the song is, you were Rakhal earlier, now you are a Raja. Which literally fit him because his name is Rakhal and he was also a Raja in that sense. So when the song was, when Ramlal repeated the last line, Maharaj's smiling face turned grave. The whole atmosphere changed. The, that line had reminded him of his real nature. He realized what Sri Ramakrishna had seen in a vision long ago about his re- true nature. He understood why the master had silently appeared before him. Maharaj began to prepare himself for his final journey, fulfilling his unfinished mission. So I'm going to skip ahead. 
He went to Belurmath on 12th January 1922, Sri Ramakrishna's birthday celebration in Belurmath on 28th February 1922. He said to a monk, I shall initiate Mantra Diksha. Call whoever wants initiation, giving Mantra Diksha. His attendant Bharadananda remarked, he never speaks that way because Swami Brahmananda was famously reluctant to give initiation. He would make people run around for months, years before giving into initiation. But here is today, he's saying, the last year, whoever wants, I can, I'll give initiation now. He never speaks that way. Is he going to give up his body? Another day, he said to one of his brother disciples, I am relinquishing my responsibilities. Please take care of everything. On 24th March, Maharaj contracted cholera at Balaram's. Best physicians of Calcutta attended him. He reco recovered from cholera within a week, but his diabetes took a serious turn. All kinds of treatment, allopathic, homeopathic, and Ayurvedic were administered, but to no avail. He told his attendants, take me to Bhuvaneshwar, which he loved, and he had established that ashram there. Take me to Bhuvaneshwar. If I drink that well water, I shall be all right. I don't care for this polluted air of Calcutta. The air of Bhuvaneshwar is clean. Take me there. One attendant said to him, Maharaj, you are too weak at present. When Kaviraj Shamadas Vachaspati, who is a noted Ayurvedic physician, came to see Brahmananda, he was wearing a religious mark, Vibhuti, ashes on his forehead. Maharaj remarked, Sir, the mark of Shiva, which is on your forehead, signifies that Shiva alone is real. Everything else is unreal. M, the writer of the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, visited Maharaj and said, I asked him, was he in any pain? Maharaj calmly replied, Pain takes to its wings when I think of how joyfully I passed each day with the Master, with Sri Ramakrishna. At noon, seeing the ladies of Balaram's family crying, Maharaj said to them, Why are you so afraid? I bless you all. In the evening, Dr. Durgapada Ghosh came and inquired about his discomfort. Maharaj answered with a line from the Vivek Churamani to endure all kinds of afflictions without caring to redress them. That is my present condition. Sanam sarvadukkhanam apratikara purvakam chinta vilaparahitam satitiksha nigadyate. So, titiksha is a practice of spiritual fortitude to put up with all sorts of troubles, physical, um, you know around you, whatever it is, without any complaint, without trying to set things right. That is a practice. All of a sudden, his face glowed and he became absorbed in deep meditation. At 9 p.m., he touched the hand of his attendant who was seated nearby and blessed him, saying, Don't be afraid, my son. You have served me well. Be absorbed in God. I bless you. You will attain the knowledge of Brahman. I say to you, you will attain the knowledge of Brahman. So I've known this attendant. That was Swami Nirvanananda, Shudji Maharaj, who became the vice president of the Ramakrishna order. I've seen him when I was a little kid. And uh, there were other monks who asked him. It's recorded that Swami Brahmananda blessed you. You will you realize Brahman in this life. Have you? And he straightforward said, yes, I have. This is the most remarkable Swami. Extraordinarily powerful. I saw him just once. And I was what? Seven or eight years old. I still, I can just close my, I can close my eyes, I can vividly recall his face. He had the most blazing big eyes and he peered deep into me. And uh, he said things, he would always say things and they would always turn out right. It just take 20, 30, 40 years for them to, be, to turn out right. 
that was Swami Nirvanananda, the disciple to whom Swami Brahmananda said, you have served me well, I bless you, you will attain Brahman, knowledge of Brahman in this very life. After a while, he blessed the other monks, never forget God and you will realize the highest good. Do not grieve, I shall be with you always. Then he inquired about Swami Saradananda. A monk immediately ran to the Udbodhan to bring Saradananda. A deep silence pervaded the room. The monks and devotees encircling the Maharaj were anxious. He opened his eyes again and he began to speak. Now listen to this. I am floating on the banyan leaf of faith in the ocean of Brahman. Imagine an ocean and there's a leaf. And on that leaf, he sees, he sees I'm, I'm on that leaf, like a little child floating. This is a depiction of Krishna. Um, when the universe ends, there's the waters of the deluge. And there's a little leaf on which the baby Krishna is there. <laughs> so, and it's a very cute description of Krishna. And it's amazing that he's having the same vision. I'm floating on the banyan leaf of faith in the ocean of Brahman. Vivek, my Vivek, Vivekananda Dada. Dada is uh, elder brother in Bengali. He's having a vision of Vivekananda who had passed many years ago, 20 years ago. Baburamda, that is Premananda. Jogen, Yogananda. I see the feet of Sri Ramakrishna. He saw, he was seeing and addressing the deceased disciples of the master. Meantime, Swami Saradananda arrived. Seeing him, Swami Brahmananda said, Brother Sharat, you have come. My knowledge of Brahman and Vedanta are all getting mixed up. You are a knower of Brahman. Please tell me about it. My goodness, replied Saradananda. You are full of that knowledge. The master gave you everything. The master, Maharaj said, the master is real and so is his Leela, divine play. I have almost reached Brahman. Only a little veil is left. He wanted to drink a little lemonade. And then smiled. He said, look, what is this? I'm saying Brahman, Brahman, and again, lemonade, lemonade. He continued, Father in heaven, look, this is a wonderful idea. It is also a path of God. He's talking about Christianity. When Saradananda suggested that he sleep a little after drinking a little lemonade, Maharaj said, my mind is in the realm of Brahman. It does not come down. All right, pour lemonade into Brahman. <laughs> After sipping a little, he said, Aha, Brahman, that reality, that vast ocean. Om Parabrahmane Namaha. Salutations to the Supreme Brahman. Om Paramatmane Namaha. Salutations to the Supreme Atman. Maharaj described his experience of Brahman. All felt peace and serenity in their hearts. He slowly calmed down. His face was glowing with joy. He gazed without blinking, as if he were meditating or seeing something. After a while, he exclaimed in a sweet voice, Ah, here is the full moon, Ramakrishna. I want the Krishna of Ramakrishna. I am the cowherd boy of Vrindavan. Put anklets on my feet. I want to dance, holding the hand of my Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Krishna has come. Can't you see him? You don't have the eyes. Aha, how beautiful. My Krishna on the lotus of Vrindavan. It is not a sad Krishna. My play is over now. Look, the child Krishna is caressing me. He is calling me to come away with him. I am coming. Om Vishnu, Om Vishnu, Om Vishnu. 
Saradananda said, by, by this time, Shivananda and Swami Abhedananda came. Saradananda said, uh, this time we shall not be able to keep Maharaj anymore. His vision of Krishna on the lotus, which the master forbade us to disclose to him, has come out from his own lips. So he's seeing exactly what Sri Ramakrishna saw uh, when, when Maharaj first came to him. So he's seeing that. The doctors expected him to fall into a coma, but he was fully conscious till the very end. Boshi Sen wrote in his memoirs, an hour before he gave up his body, he ceased speaking and seemed to have withdrawn to some distant realm beyond the reach of any of us. I was very gently stroking his palm and wondering whether he still remembered the old playful pressure of his thumb. At the same instant, I felt it, light but unmistakable, Maharaj's last blessing to me. So uh, Sri Ramakrishna's prophecy about his spiritual son, Rakhal, proved to be true. At 8.45 p.m. on Monday, 10th April 1922, Swami Brahmananda passed away. The next day, his body was carried from Calcutta to Belurmat and cremated on the bank of the Ganga. Later, a temple was built on that spot. And the monks and devotees lost their spiritual teacher but they preserved his precious verbal testimony. A young monk had asked Brahmananda, does Sri Ramakrishna exist even now? Maharaj replied, I see you have lost your mind. Having renounced hearth and home, why are we leading such a life? He exists always. Pray to him day and night for his vision. He will dispel all your doubts and will make you understand his true nature. Do you see the master, Sri Ramakrishna, do you see the master nowadays? Yes, replied Maharaj. I see him whenever he shows himself out of his mercy. Anyone who has his grace can see him. But how many people have that love and longing to see him? So this is again a fully enlightened person, but passing like the description given here, but this was in a mode of bhakti, intense devotion and full ecstasy of bhakti and full consciousness also till the very end. So I'm Vivekananda inwards and leaving the body like that. And Swami Brahmananda outwards, fully focused on a vision of God and leaving the body like that. But both were Noah Brahman, that's the thing. Both were Jivan Muktas. So they, it's not sequential liberation for them. So I think in both cases, they retain their individuality. This, because these are they belong to the class of ever-liberated persons who come again and again with uh, God uh, for the divine Leela, for the play of the Avatara. So these are two interesting very clear cases. Then, number 20, number 14. Ananya cheta satatam yomam smarati nityasha tasyaham sulabhav partha nitya yuktasya yogina. So, those who how do you attain to this state? Smarati Nityasha, daily one who contemplates God. That's the last instruction given by Brahmananda to the monks. Never forget God. Day at night, call on God. How Ananya Cheta, with a mind which is not Anya, which is not given to anything else except God. Given to anything else means don't let the mind dwell too much on worldly things. I've seen senior monks, they're doing so much work. But the work you give them, they will deal with it and then get back. Like a compass needle which is spun around, it spins back to the magnetic north pole again. 
similarly these monks their minds would you know like spin back to god again so ananya cheta let it come back to god for such a person tasyaham sulabha partha oh arjuna for such a person i am easy of attainment so i am easily attained god is easily attained such a nitya yuktasya yogina who is uh, constantly in communion or focused on me for those who are focused on me i am easy of attainment let me just look at the um all right the next verse i'll do next time but let me just look at the comments and questions Gaurav says Swami Ramsukdas ji defined bhakti as I am part of paramatma I have no connection with matter yes remember this uh, he is a vishishtadvaitin so vishishtadvaitin is I am part of god I am not part of the material world so I am not the world I am not matter I am not body not even mind and this immortal soul which is a part of god that is uh, vishishtadvaita you and god have a part and whole relationship your relationship with god is god is the whole of which i am a tiny spark and my relation is of love devotion so that's bhakti correct if i accept god as having no material form and as an awareness then i don't find any emotion flowing to god how can we define bhakti in this verse so bhakti in this verse is as ramsukdas just defined you define um, god you you see god as god with form are formless but with qualities all of them you can have bhakti you can think of the beautiful form of krishna and have bhakti to krishna just like swami brahmananda had or devotees sri ramakrishna's devotees we have devotion to sri ramakrishna and the form is very important the name is important ramakrishna or you can have devotion like a muslim or a christian to god without form but god with many uh, auspicious qualities and names so in these ways you one can have bhakti just pure awareness you can't direct emotion to that you can have only uh, identity with that that i am that and one can directly realize it rick says what illness did swami vivekananda had his main problem was diabetes but a number of other things also um swami rodrigo says swami vivekananda wanted to be like the buddha always available to seekers of freedom yes that always um uh, available even after the passing of the body rick says i've interviewed several people who had clear waking state visions of ramana maharshi before they had even heard of him later they saw his photo and realized who they saw it seems he's still guiding and inspiring people from the other side true and the same thing i've heard of about sri ramakrishna um the mother sharada devi swami vivekananda and swami brahmananda also Vishwanath says, "I've heard this about Swami Tapovan Maharaj. People looking for his ashram in Uttarakhand got lost. Have been guided by a monk, and when they reached there, they saw his photo and realized the same person who has shown them the way." Yeah, that sort of happened to me. Uh, I was in uh, in Gangotri. I didn't have a vision of him, but um, I suddenly saw this extraordinary painting, huge painting in a small ashram. 
and I met his attendant, Sundarananda. So he told me stories. I, I didn't know about Tapavan Swami, but I guess I got it directly from the source before reading any books. So Sundaranji served Tapavan Swami for most of his, towards the end of his life. And he has this very lifelike painting. So I was sitting in front of the painting and talking to the attendant. Another monk came to meet me and he said he left because he thought it was not a painting. He thought it was the, a person, it was a real living person I was talking to, a monk. And he says, there's such an imposing figure sitting there. So this other monk who came to meet me, saw me from a distance from the gate and he walked away. He thought I was talking to Tapovan Swami. <laughs> then he didn't realize it was a painting of Tapovan Swami. And that the sevak, the attendant, who was very old at that time when I met him, he scolded me. He said, look, you are all your disciples of Vivekananda. You have forgotten Vivekananda, but I have not forgotten my guru. He, he still serves Tapovan Swami the exactly the way Tapuvan Swami was all those decades ago. Uh, for example, he um, cleans the common through the water pot which Tapuvan Swami carried. It's, it was there, the big water pot. He cleans it and fills it with fresh Ganga water every day, sweeps the ashram. He says, whenever I look at the forest, I, I, uh, I feel that he's going to come just now and ask for water to wash his hands and have to give water from the water pot to wash his hands. And he says, just this thought Sent, brings goosebumps and he says, feel my hand, feel my hand. I saw actually there was goosebumps. His hair was standing on his end. And you feel like looking back into the forest, you get scared. Is, is this monk actually going to stride out of the forest who passed every so many decades ago? And truly, in this old age, that old monk, his service is something I will not forget. Once there was a storm and everywhere there were leaves and branches all around. It was a mess. Except that ashram. The moment the storm stopped, into a very high Himalayan region. Moment the storm stopped, I went to that ashram, the small little cottage, spick and span, absolutely clean. That means the old monk, the moment the storm had stopped, he got out and started cleaning, exactly as he would have done when Tapuvan Swami was alive. Anyway, so yes, I went to that place also and I saw the same painting. <laughs> Gaurav says, I'm not this body in this waking world. If I'm not this body in waking world, how can I keep the same waking body after death? You can't keep the waking body after death. The body is gone. So both in Brahmananda's case and Vivekananda's case, the bodies were cremated. Oh, why would they appear in the same body? They appear in the same form. And that's the form in which you recognize them. So those forms are, I guess, it's part of the cosmic mind. And so they appear in that same form. But the actual body is gone. Wonderful. All right. Let us conclude with a Shanti Mantra. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastu